Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Wednesday, September 7th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The Black Rep returns for its 46th season with a production that tells the relatively unknown 200-year-old story about America's first black playwright. Most audience members that come to see this play won't know this. You know, they, they still won't know this history. They still will hopefully be amazed. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis talks to Black Rep founder Ron Himes about William Henry Brown. Some Missouri Democratic legislators believe the delay in starting a special session on taxes means there is no consensus among Republicans. The session was supposed to start yesterday. Instead, lawmakers will convene next week. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. Governor Mike Parson set a date of September 6 to begin a special session addressing a permanent income tax cut and agricultural tax credits. But last week, Republican and Senate leadership said while they have had, quote, extremely productive discussions, the session would instead begin the week of veto session as opposed to the original date Parson set. Democratic Representative Tracy McCreary called the move, quote, highly unusual. Things always get off to a slow start for special session, but at least people show up and then we get off to a slow start. This is people not even showing up. McCreary, along with other Democrats, believe the delay means there is not an agreement on what the bill containing both the tax cut and the agricultural credit should look like. She said it's also possible Parsons' goals for the session are not accomplished. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. Governor Parson will not expand the scope of that upcoming special session to include recreational marijuana. The Post-Dispatch report The decision follows a call from some lawmakers to put the issue on the agenda when they gather next week. They were trying to slow momentum for an amendment about legalized marijuana that will be on November's ballot. It gives medical marijuana businesses the first chance at recreational pot licenses. The newspaper reports Parson has described the ballot question as a disaster because it favors businesses. St. Louis has an agreement with a condominium association to improve security In a building on Washington Avenue, the deal has led to the cancellation of today's nuisance hearing for the Eli Walker lofts. It indicates St. Louis police have received hundreds of calls to that building in the last year. The agreement calls on the Condo Association to improve security, including the installation of a new camera and a lock system. Residents will also have access to an around-the-clock non-emergency customer service phone line. A private security firm will be on the property several times a week. Many provisions of Illinois' sweeping energy transition bill are coming into focus about a year after it was signed by Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports Metro East community leaders are focusing on two workforce hubs that will come to the region. Alton and East St. Louis will each get a workforce hub that will provide education and training for jobs related to solar and other clean energy transitions. Illinois will have 16 of these hubs, which aim to get residents from disadvantaged communities employed in the growing green economy. Community leaders in the Metro East are already meeting to figure out how the hubs will take shape. Hilary Scott Ogrevende is the executive secretary of the Macedonia Development Corporation in East St. Louis. There's still more work to be done. Those community leaders now have to make sure 
sure that what's in the black and white actually ends up in our households, in our businesses. Scott Ogarende says community organizations like hers play a central role in diversifying the green energy workforce. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. The Illinois State Police are planning to have a permanent presence in East St. Louis. Governor J.B. Pritzker and other officials have announced plans for a new regional headquarters on a vacant lot across from the Jackie Joyner Kersey Center. Local nonprofit Lansdowne Up sold the land to the state for a dollar. The group's director of administration, Kevin Green, says the neighborhood's residents are grateful the state police will be in the area. We just want to say welcome, welcome to the Illinois State Police because now you've become one of our partners also. And together we can rebuild and transform this neighborhood. The $55 million building will house patrol officers, investigators and SWAT resources. Funding comes from the Rebuild Illinois Infrastructure Plan. Construction is expected to take up to four years. The African company in New York City lured theater goers with Shakespearean plays roughly 200 years ago. The black-owned theater, founded by William Henry Brown and James Hewlett, faded into history after Stephen Price, the white owner of a rival theater, sabotaged the company. The black rep in St. Louis shares that story to open its 46th season with The African Company Presents Richard III. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis asks director and black rep founder Ron Himes why the theater story is so intriguing. The African Company had become very, very popular. Of course, it was selling out to black people at the time, but it had become so popular to white people that William Brown had built a petition in the back of the theater so that whites could sit behind the petition to see the work of the African Company. I think initially, you know, the white folks came to sort of see what the novelty was and to make fun of it, but then ultimately there were those who began to enjoy and appreciate the work. Um, This also added to Stephen Price's not wanting the competition and feeling that he was losing customers to the African company. And so he has a conversation with the constables and gets them to close down the African company. What happened to William Brown after this period? We don't know. I mean, we sort of lose William Henry Brown, uh, but we know that William Henry Brown's theater and James Hewlett's work and performances at that theater heavily influenced Ira Aldridge. So we lose them in history, but we got we gain the fruit of their labor in the accomplishments of Ira Aldridge. Ira Aldridge, you know, is still considered by many to be one of the great Shakespearean tragedians of all time. So you said you uh, first performed this in 2000. Yeah. Uh, so you had known about the history of this before then. So when you had learned that there was going to be a play, there was going to be uh, something written about this, what were your immediate thoughts? Oh, well, when we did it in 2000, the play had been around for a while. Yeah, it, it, we, you know, it had, it had been out well before 2000. Other theaters had done it. You know, I really was excited to do it again because, you know, a lot of the work we do is about filling in blanks in history, telling stories that have been omitted from history, uh, telling stories that fill the void in the American theater when in terms of the contributions of black Americans. Talk a little bit about how it was, you know, even uh, embodying William Brown. It was sort of 
me living my life. You know, uh, William Henry Brown is starting a black theater against all odds, against all challenges. I mean, and early on with the black rep, that's how I felt. Having the competition from white theaters that have more money, have more resources, that are bigger, uh, that have been in existence longer, that um, have this sense of competitiveness, right, that doesn't allow them to collaborate, that doesn't allow them to embrace. You know, that's what William Henry Brown had to deal with. In many ways, I've had to deal with that. But then on the other hand, I've had supporters. I've had people who, you know, worked with the black rep in our early years and helped to support us and ultimately sustain us. It's 2022, pretty much 200 years after this incident happened in the first place. Does this story still feel relevant today? Oh, I think most definitely. I think that audiences will plug right into it. They get the play that tells the story about the founding of the African company. And they get enough of Richard III in the play so that there basically are two stories, two plays being uh, performed at the same time. That was Black Rep founder and director Ron Himes speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis. Our David Casares edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.